right, good afternoon, folks. All you wrench-twisted mofos out there, it's your Uncle Jimmy. As expected. Kicking out the jams from behind the microphone at the Rock and Roll Garage. It's Greased Wheels time, bitches. A uh, quick, quick message before I get started here. Got a lot of different crazy bullshit running around my noodle today. Kind of felt like I was going to have a stroke. I got so much shit going on in there. Uh, but the first thing I want to do is uh, I want to thank all you guys for uh, what you do. I say guys, I mean girls, All uh, any of you girls that are listening, all eight of you. Uh, we grew. We used to have six girls listening. Now we have eight. Actually, I don't know how many ladies listen to it, and uh, I would be surprised if the number was real close to zero. Um, it's okay. They can listen if they want, but it's a pretty male-concentric type of a profession, being a mechanic, really, of any kind. Uh, not that it can't be for the ladies, but uh, typically isn't. They're too smart to get roped into doing something as shitty as this, right, guys? <sighs> but listen, uh, if you're out there doing it, male, female, I don't care what you call yourself. Uh, I appreciate what you do. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for keeping uh, everything going, keeping everything moving, keeping everything away from me, keeping the lights on, keeping the power on, uh, keeping the water on, uh, keeping everything on. Keep it on, keep it on, bitches. Keep it up, bitches. Listen, I'm I'm just I'm sincere when I say that too. I really mean it. I understand the intense amount of effort that goes into keeping a lot of shit going, and uh, I don't take it lightly that it does keep going sometimes. Okay, uh, when I said I have a lot of crap going shooting around in my mind, uh, I wasn't really kidding. Uh, I had a lot of different directions I wanted to go in tonight when I got behind the microphone, and then I found something uh, on the internet that was I thought was very interesting. And one of the most interesting things about this particular uh, piece of information I found is that it's really, really, really recent. I mean, like it says at the top of this article that I found that it was done eight hours ago. Okay. You don't get much fucking fresher than that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, instead of finding shit from 2012 or 1972, eight hours ago. Okay. Now, you know that you know the formula. The formula is that your Uncle Jimmy doesn't read it so that he can respond organically to it. Okay. But here's what this particular uh, piece of information is titled. And here's what it's all about, really. Uh, the title of it is Auto Repair Labor Rate Per Hour. It's just an article about how it is and why it is. And uh, I'm going to add, of course, the old Uncle Jimmy commentary, which lets you know that some of this is not true and some of it is true. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Uh, and some of it doesn't fit too well in certain situations. So, you, you know, it, for you personally, any information that you disseminate from your Uncle Jimmy here, you have to kind of take it with a great big fat fucking grain of salt and see if it applies to your situation. And in some cases, quite honestly, my opinion may be bullshit for you. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that there's a lot of people whose opinions I think are bullshit. So we're even. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, I want to get started here. I'm going to talk about the auto repair labor rate per hour. What it says here is, what is the average auto repair labor rate per hour in the United States? Question mark. Yes. And then he, this particular person tries to go on and to tell you exactly how you can figure out how much you expect to pay. I have to call bullshit. Okay. Because, and you guys know this, if you're out there doing it, there are way too many factors out there that you have to take into consideration you and your service advisor if you have one of any type and also your shop owner or perhaps your service manager or your fixed ops manager or whatever they want to be referred to by this week and also uh, the parts department and the customers okay so there's a lot of people who have input into this and I can tell you right now that if you show up on one day and you get a price for having something done to your car and then you come back in a couple of days later even and you ask them for the same estimate, it ain't gonna be the same. I mean, it might be close. Um, it might, you know, I mean, if you don't tell them, oh, you gave me an estimate last week, and then they go and look at it and go, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do it for that, you know. But if they ask you for a whole new estimate, same guy, same advisor, same parts guy, it's not gonna be the same. Not gonna be the same. You, all, We all know this, and we all know why. Because any one of those people involved, any literally, any one of those people involved could be having a bad day. And that means you as a customer, eh, you're going to have to fucking pay. You're going to pay for the fact that I'm in a bad mood or the, the guy before me pissed me off. The guy before you pissed me off. And it's your turn to pay back. Okay. So 
Uh, for somebody to write an article saying they're going to tell you exactly how much you should expect to pay, I think that's a little grandiose, okay? Now, let's move forward with this particular article. I think it was pretty good. I don't know. Here's what it says. Uh, the labor rate for auto repair shops in the United States varies greatly. I apologize if you're not in the United States, but a lot of this stuff applies to wherever it is you are, really, uh, the capital the capitalistic system that we run here in the United States, pretty well well used in other parts of the world. Uh, and as far as somebody needing to pay you for work done to their car, uh, yeah, they need to pay. Uh, here's here the, this uh, particular article goes on to say factors that affect the labor rate include the location, type of repair shop, and they underline this for some reason, and whether the repair shop is independent or part of a dealership. Yes, all of these things can affect labor rate. What I wanted to add to this, okay, because it just goes on to say, sometimes the labor rate per hour might seem too high. I don't want to I don't want to fucking deal with that. Okay? Let me get, let me come back to that. But I want to tell you right now that there are so many other factors that affect labor rate that it's really mind-numbing, okay? Yes, location is one of them. Where is the fucking shop? Is it in the middle of the hood? Well, okay, it could be. Certainly, it could be. If you're in the middle of the hood, I mean, I'm not going to draw any aspersions upon anybody, uh, but you might live in a part of town where a lot of people don't want to go. So your location, the location of the shop, if you are the shop, or the location of the shop, if you're the customer, big, big, biggity big factor in how much your labor rate might be. The type of repair shop, well, okay, um, most repair shops can handle pretty much any type of repair. Pretty much is a really a nebulous term though, okay? Because if you take a Mercedes-Benz into a shop where they normally do uh, four-wheel drive Jeep conversions, they might tell you to fucking get the fuck out. They don't work on those fucking things, okay? If you take a uh, I don't know, maybe a, a Ford Mustang to an, a European shop, you know, where they work on Audis and Beamers and, and Mercedes-Benzes. They might tell you to get that fucking thing out of there. It's just a type of repair shop. Is that the only type there is? No, there isn't. There's millions out there, okay? And a lot of uh, shops even just specialize in one type of repair. Uh, just today, I did a an alignment for a, for a car. Actually, uh, that's a lie. I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. I was supposed to do it today, but I I blew it off to come home to do the podcast. I'm sorry. There's sacrifices that I make for you boys out there and girls, and uh, you, you know, you're not familiar with it, and I'm just going to let you know every once in a while, yeah, you know, I could have I could have made 2 hours in about 15 minutes, but no, I came home to talk to you folks on the goddamn podcast. Uh, but anyway, what I w- what I was going to say was I got about an alignment I have to do. And the customer had gotten tires at one of these tire shops down the street from our dealership, and they didn't do alignments. They just throw tires on and say, oh, you need an alignment. Well, great. What am I supposed to do now? Go somewhere where they fucking do alignments, okay? So that's another type of repair shop. You have repair shops that specialize in tires. You have mufflers. You have exhaust. You know, you what whatever the fuck. There's just some shops that specialize in details, cleaning your shit up, which is really like the, the worst fucking thing that you could be doing uh, in some cases anyway. Uh, and then there's also, you know, tent shops, there's collision shops, there's, there's all kinds of different types of shops. So obviously, uh, labor rate's going to be different between all of these, right? Okay, because, you know, you're not going to pay a, a tire guy anywhere near 30 or $40 an hour to, to put tires on. It would be a little ridiculous. Could they be worth it? Sure, they could could easily be worth it, but it's just not uh, it's not a good value for you as a shop owner. Okay, what else was it here? Also, too, uh, if you're an independent or part of a dealership, well, let me let me draw the line between those two. Okay, and the labor rates are typically a lot lower at an independent shop than at a dealer, and this is why they exist. Because you roll into a dealership, and we all know this. This is not something new. This didn't get invented yesterday. Dealerships typically charge a very premium labor rate. And there's a good reason why. Number one, uh, they have to do a lot of work, a lot of warranty work. Let's just put it that way, okay? They have to do a lot of warranty work. And they don't get the same labor rate for that warranty work than they do for their customer pay work. Oh, hey, I hope everybody knew that. If they didn't, oops, sorry, didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag there. A dealership labor rate for somebody who rolls in the door and doesn't have a warranty might be, eh, let's just say 175. I'm going to make up a lot of numbers. Let me just warn you right now. We're going to be making up a hell of a lot of numbers, okay? <laughs> just so you know, Uncle Jimmy's good at making up numbers. There's only really nine if you if you don't count zero, and then we just throw them together and 
different kind of a mismatch. And, and then there you get numbers made up by your Uncle Jimmy. Like I said, it's going to be a choppy, wacky, uh, hard to follow podcast and, and true to form. Here we go. But uh, as far as your labor rate goes at a dealership, you're going to look, you know, you're going to be looking anywhere from $150 to $350 an hour. And uh, it's going to seem to you as a non-technician, as a customer, as maybe somebody who just drives a car, like it's really, 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 really fucking expensive to get your car repaired at a dealership. And you would be right. So that's why independent shops exist because, well, well, you know, you need to get a water pump done in your car and it pays three hours. Are you going to pay $350 an hour to have some guy put a water pump in and it only takes him 20 minutes? Fuck no, you're not going to do that. You're going to go to an indie who charges $100 an hour or even $150 an hour and save some money that way. So that's the big difference, obviously, at an independent shop. Also, to uh, those technicians, and let me just stop for a second and just put out uh, a very mighty-sized kudos to those of you out there who work in independent repair shops because you boys... And ladies, if there are any, uh, you you have to work on pretty much everything. And you have to be really, really knowledgeable. You have to be really, really smart. And you have to think. I think you have to think. I think you have to think a lot harder than the rest of us do. Especially, And I'll be honest with you. Uh, one of the reasons I work at a dealership is because I don't want to have to think that hard. You know, I, I work on one brand of cars. Yeah, sure. There's maybe, you know, 15, 20 different models and then there's older ones and there's newer ones and there's a lot of high tech shit that goes on with them. But I don't have to learn anything else about any other kinds of cars because they're not fucking coming to my dealership. And if they do, we fucking point to the door and we tell them, get out of here, go, get out of here. So uh, there's that's another thing with an independent shop. You got to be you got to be one savvy mofo. Okay, you got to know shit. The basics of how an automobile works is going to be really, really important in an independent repair shop. And uh, quite frankly, I I got tired of that. I did that for a little while. And uh, I don't want to say it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it's definitely not the highlight of my life, okay? Um, It was a great place to work, and there were a lot of good people there. But man, the the sheer variety of the automobiles I had to work on was mind-numbing. And I, I, it, it left me with uh, high blood pressure and uh, anxiety, and I wanted to get the F out of there. Okay, <laughs> I wanted to get the A, B, C, and D and E out of there too, along with the F. Uh, and uh, I don't believe that I was a good fit. Okay, because I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to relearn everything I know to work on some other make of car. And then sometimes. Honestly, it seemed like that was the way it had to be. I mean, I knew, I know, I mean, as a mechanic, I'm like you guys, I know how the physics of a car works. I know how a lot of the different systems work. Um, Do I know how this one particular manufacturer went about it? No, no idea. I also don't have any idea about, uh, you know, what they have for common problems. I don't know. I have no fucking idea, you know. I might spend three hours finding something that if the guy who worked on those cars all the time came in and said, oh, all you got to do is this. I'd be kind of pissed off, okay? So there's the differences. But here's some other differences uh, that affect labor rates at shops, okay, besides location, type of shop, and whether it's indie, an indie shop or a dealership. Labor rates depend. Uh, labor rates can change and will depend on what you drive. Okay, obviously, we just talked about that. What kind of vehicle you drive, uh, whether it's common, whether it's foreign, whether it's domestic, whether it's old, whether it's new, okay? It also depends on where the fuck you drive it. Now, here's the deal. If you live on a fucking farm, and uh, I don't mean to say it like that. I grew up on a farm, so we'll say it it normal. If you grew up on a farm and you drove your car or your truck, most of the times farmers have trucks. If you drive it all over the fields and they're rough and rocky and and there's shitty trails on there, obviously where you drive is going to have a big effect on your labor rate as well because you, you bring in a truck that is loaded with mud or covered with dirt. And you know what? The technician's going to say, you know, I'm going to charge you an extra hour because you're bringing me this dirty-ass piece of shit. That's one of the other things you have to deal with. How about this? How you drive? Holy shit. Folks, I have, and this is no lie, I have really honestly become an expert in diagnosing drivetrain vibrations and driveline problems in the automobiles that I work on, especially, because everybody does the same fucking things to them. There's no, there's nothing out there that's happening that's any different than this. People hit stuff. They hit stuff all the time. And then almost 100% of them deny they ever hit a fucking thing. It's like, well, look, you know, you got a fucking uh, a 9, a 10-inch wide wheel where it bolts out of the cars at the very outer edge, and you hit something with that thing, Man, it's, it's going to bend if you look at it cross-eyed. So it's not that difficult to believe that you could bend a rim. 
Not that difficult to believe, okay? So how you drive, sure. If you come back to me, if I if you bring a car and you say, oh, you know, I'm going 40 miles an hour and it starts to vibrate. And I go, yeah, I know what's wrong. In the back of my mind, I'm going, Wah! yep, you hit something. But I don't say that right away. I don't, I don't assume anything, okay? That's another thing that mechanics should not do. Don't assume anything. Don't let your service advisors do that either. So I bring it into the shop and I'll throw it up in the air. And if it's four-wheel drive, I'll just kick off the stability control, start the car up, throw it in drive, throw it up in the air and watch the wheels spin around and around like a, an egg. They're, they're not round anymore. They're nearly square. And I'll go, well, there's your problem. And then they go, but, but I didn't hit anything. And this has been an ongoing theme here on Grease the Wheels. Is I didn't hit anything. Well, somebody did. Well, it wasn't me. Well, you know, it's fine. It's your car. So if somebody else is driving it, then you can blame them all you want. But right now... Uh, we're not a judge and a jury. We're not a DA or a prosecutor or a def- uh, public defender or any of that kind of shit. We don't give a fuck who did it. Okay? It's especially this guy behind the microphone. He does, I don't give a fuck who did it. I don't care. Your wheels are bent. Let's move on. How are we going to take care of this? And, and with, the, with the way the wheels are made nowadays, of course, they're aluminum because you have to have real low unsprung weight. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you'll probably just want to Google it. But seriously... Uh, the way they're made, it, it, you're almost begging for them to get bent. I mean, really, if you look at them, you could bend them almost with your mind. It's, it's that they just seem that fragile to me anyway. And so when they get bent, I don't have any trouble believing that you don't think you hit something, even though you did. And I also don't have any trouble quoting you for new rims at $500 a piece because well, guess what? That's what you bought into when you bought this kind of car. Okay. And if you can't drive it and you want it fixed and you're not happy with, with how much it costs to fix it, you're driving the wrong kind of fucking car. Go buy something where you can smash it into a fucking wall and keep going and not worry about it vibrating when you go down the road. Here's some other things that have a, a, an effect on the labor rate as far as a technician is concerned and possibly other people in your shop. Uh, how far have you driven? How many miles do you have on your car? I mean, if you have... Uh, very low miles and you just haven't maintained it and something broke or doesn't work because you just fucking don't care or you never did any of your maintenance at all eh, labor rates gonna be a little higher or at least the labor to fix whatever it is that's effed up is going to be a little higher how about this one do you do your maintenance or do you not do it okay and i'll tell you right now i got a car that sits in my garage this garage as a matter of fact over in the corner it's got 200 plus thousand miles on it I've changed the oil every 5,000 miles. I'm pretty sure I can get that some bitch to 300,000 miles, okay? It works great. Everything in it works great. You know why? Because I take care of it. I perform all the maintenance. I perform the maintenance probably a little sooner than the factory uh, owner's manual says to. I'm like you. I don't fucking read it. I just make up my own fucking uh, maintenance guide in my head, okay? Change the oil every 5,000 miles. Every couple of years, I uh, do the brake fluid flush, and then I keep an eye on the coolant. Uh, I had to change it out not too long ago because the water pump fucking barfed itself out in the middle of the night. Fun, fun, fun. Tires, do those. Brakes, I do those. There's no reason why I couldn't drive my car from New York to, to California right now if I wanted to. It's in good shape. I know it's in good shape. I take care of it. I'm the fucking guy who takes care of it, okay? But do you do your maintenance? Now, a lot of you technicians out there are shaking your head. Oh, no, Uncle Jimmy. Fuck my car. I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't want to work on that. I don't want to work on my car. I don't want to do that. So do you do your maintenance? If you get a car in, and a guy's complaining about something that's effed up, and you get in there and you find that uh, it, it, whatever it is is because he didn't do the maintenance that you've suggested the last three fucking times he's in there. Guess what? You get to fucking pay. Also, too, one of the things that determines the labor rate is if you have an extended warranty. Oh my lord! Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm not. You know what? I'm not gonna mention anything more about extended warranties because people buy them, and and they. F- I think they feel like they're Superman or a Marvel hero, superhero, because an extended warranty gives you this peace of mind. It really shouldn't give you a peace of mind. It should just remind you that your car is a piece of shit. Um, extended warranties are such a mixed bag, and there's so many bad ones out there, and there are a few good ones out there. Um, and if you have an extended warranty on your car, some of these companies will jerk you around like a fish on the end of a line when you're fishing. I mean, it's terrible. The way, the way I've had cars that have hung around for weeks, weeks 
at a time, waiting for the insurance company to either fucking own up and pay or decline the repair or simply just wait for you to give up. And in some cases, that that happens too. I have a a definite plan in my head as far as what I want to do with aftermarket warranty companies. And, uh, but I don't want to talk about that right now. Okay. I want to move on. Okay. So there's a million effing things that have uh, an effect on your labor rate per hour or even your labor rate per repair. Now, here's what it goes on to say this article. And I've already, you know, I've already kind of ripped it apart a little bit here, but we'll keep going here. Sometimes the labor rate per hour might seem too high. Well, you know what? If you're a customer and your car broke any amount of money, that and someone else demands from you to fix it, it's going to seem like it's too high. Because here's the thing with customers. I would say, and here's some more made-up numbers. I would say, honestly, 95% of your customers, whether you're, I don't care where the fuck you work, if you work at a dealership or an independent shop, 95% of your customers cannot fix their own car. They cannot. And the number is going to get higher and higher. Okay, until eventually it's real close to 100%. They can't fix it. So they have no idea at all. I mean, even they don't even have a morsel of an idea as to what goes into fixing their car. They don't have a clue. They don't have any clue. They don't know what parts it's going to take. They don't know what procedures is going to be required. They don't know what tools are going to be required. They don't know even if you can do the fucking job. They don't know anything. Is that a good thing? I don't know. You know, there's there's good points and bad points to it. If a customer doesn't know what's involved with repairing their car, yes, any estimate you give them is going to seem too high. Okay, any estimate is going to seem too high, even though they have no fucking way in hell to gauge whether or not it's too high. Now, they might call around to another shop. And you know what? That's a mixed bag of nuts, too. Because if somebody comes to my dealership and says, well, I want to get, you know, water pump done. Okay, great. You know, three hours and the pump's, you know, $400 and and three 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 hours at uh, 150 bucks an hour is 450 So it's $850 plus tax and there's coolant and all that shit. So you're looking at about a G note to put your water pump in. Then this fucking guy or this lady, whoever it is, Calls down the street to butt fuck Billy Bob's backwater fucking independent repair shop. And they go, oh, shit, we'll do it for a hundred bucks. And we'll buy the water pump at the AutoZone store for 35 bucks. Well, yeah, okay, that's great, right? But here's where the problem exists. And now to a customer, they're, they're going to be what they call penny wise and pound foolish. They're going to uh, spend as little money as possible to get their car repaired. But who knows if they're going to do it right? Who knows? You have a better chance of getting it done right at a dealership. You just do. Uh, you have a better chance. That doesn't mean that it's going to be done perfectly every time at a dealership, but it does mean that the odds are higher that it's done correctly at a dealership than an independent, okay? Now, there's some great independents out there. Do not let me bash them. And if you're working at an independent or if you even own one or even thinking about starting one, I definitely encourage you to do so. But Believe me when I tell you, okay, if you start one or if you work at one, the quality of your work is going to have to speak volumes because that's all you have. Your labor rate's going to be cheaper than a dealership, so you are honestly already going to get people coming to you, even if you're just $1 cheaper than a dealership, okay? Independence exists solely to undercut the dealership. It's a it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, the independents love to do it. The dealerships hate hate it when they do it. But it is a fact of life. And you know what? A lot of you guys, and myself personally too, jump from the dealership to the independent and then sometimes vice versa, back again. Now, as far as the customers thinking that the labor rate per hour is too high, uh, it's it's articles like this and other sorts of uh, people putting out what I would call disinformation. I don't know if this guy's going to try to nail down what a what it would cost to do a water pump in this guy's car, but he's he's going to try to make him feel like he's going to be able to figure out what it is before he calls you or before he brings it in. And that in of itself is going to cause a problem too, okay? Because if you bring a car into the shop, okay, and you're one of these people who knows uh, Jack Diddley Squad about your car, but you called some shop and they said, wow, you know, if you really need a water pump in that car, they should never charge you anything more than like a couple hundred bucks. Okay, boom. Right in your head right now, you're like, okay, if they charge me even $1 over $200, they're trying to rip me off. 
okay, okay, sure. You call up the uh, dealer or maybe you go in there and they tell you, yep, you definitely need a water pump. Okay, so you're going to have to pay Diag for that. And then the labor is three hours and it's going to be, you know, whatever the labor rate is, $150, $175, $200 an hour. And uh, now suddenly the guy's looking at a G-note to put his water pump in his car and he is absolutely 1,000% sure that you're just trying to rip him off. Never mind, never mind for one second even. The value of having it done by a professional, factory-trained master technician at a dealership. Never mind. Hey, never mind. Yes, you're right. We're whipping you off. Have a nice day. Go F yourself, okay? What it says here is, in this guide, you will learn everything you need to know about labor rate and whether or not you are getting ripped off. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because I'll tell you something right now. If you're one of these fucking 95 percenters who don't know jack fucking shit about a car other than how to twist a key or press a start stop button and put gas in it, nobody in the world can tell you if you're getting ripped off or not. You're just going to assume you are and other people are either going to reinforce that feeling or they're going to try to uh, dissuade you from that feeling and you're not going to let them do that because you already know you're getting ripped off right it's like we know the sun's going to come up tomorrow yeah but you know what someday a billion trillion years from now it ain't coming up no more it exploded during the night and we've got about six hours left to live and we're done okay so you know the sun's going to come up, but someday, yeah, it won't. That's a terrible analogy, and I apologize for that, but that's what your Uncle Jimmy does. Here, Here's the next part of the article. Factors that determine the labor rate here. The hourly rate varies across the country. Yes, your location definitely makes a big, big, biggity, big difference, okay? To such an extent that the difference could be over $50 an hour. <gasps> oh, my gosh, $50 an hour. Are you fucking crazy? Not crazy. Labor rates in shops and dealerships that exist in towns like Miami, Florida, for example, are astronomically high. Other metropolitan areas that are likewise like that, like New York City, they're in the three and $350 an hour range. Yeah, and it's because of where they are. In general, the higher the average wage, the higher the labor cost at the auto repair shop. Now, that's a that's a double-edged sword, baby. That door swings both ways, okay? If you have a really high labor cost, at a repair shop, it might be because the wage for the technician is higher. It might be, but would you want a bargain basement technician who's maybe making minimum wage? Would you want that person working on your car? I don't think so. If he makes, if he earns a higher wage or higher than average anyway, or maybe he earns a premium wage, what's the chances that he's worth it? Well, let me tell you something right now. If he's working for an auto repair shop and he's making a premium wage, he has to be worth it because automotive repair shops of any kind, whether they're indie or dealership type, they're not going to pay him if they don't have to. And they're not going to pay him if he sucks. If he, he's making a lot of money working for a shop, he's probably worth it because if he wasn't, he would be fucking gone. He'd be gone or making less somehow or another. Here's some other factors. Uh, of course, here's what it says. Here's what it goes on to say. Of course, the average state wage is not the only factor that determines the labor rate for a car repair. Uh, yes. Well, uh, I can tell you from experience that the uh, wages earned by technicians in a northern part of the country, such as New York, where I came from, were a hell of a lot lower than where I am now, which is in Texas. In the South, there is a, a definite need for technicians. I think there's a definite need for technicians all over the place, but it seems to be a little bit more of a dire situation down here, or at least that's the impression that I get because they're willing to pay me almost double what I would make in the North. Something to consider, right? Yeah, it's a very, very healthy economic move to bring your ass to the South and the Southeast and the Southwest because, and, and even California, even though a great many people are leaving California, there's still a great many people there and they have cars. Believe it or not, they still drive cars there. And uh, well, you know, Uncle Jimmy says rule number one, cars break. So there's going to have to be dealerships and repair shops to fix them. And there's just a little bit more that goes along with it in California. Okay. Other factors that influence the labor rate include, and here's a small list, repair shop location. We talked about that already. Type of shop, we talked about that too. And then, of course, make and model of the vehicle. Uh, there should be another factor here that says attitude of the customer, okay? If the customer's got a shit attitude, fuck them. We're going to fist them. 
when it comes time to tell him how much it's going to cost to fix his car. How come it's so much? Yeah, how come you're such an asshole? Oh, I'm an asshole because you're going to rip me off. He go, well, we're going to we're going to remove all doubt that we're going to rip you off. We're not going to rip you off because we're not going to work on your car. Go fuck yourself, okay? Um, and that's a, a valid conversation I would love to have with somebody who thinks that we're ripping them off. If they're not familiar with the value of having someone who is highly skilled and highly trained and has great experience in fixing your car and paying a premium w- price to get that premium labor on your vehicle and experience the value of all that experience and training and know-how, then fuck you. Seriously, fuck you. If you can't, if you can't deduce in your mind, okay. If you can't look at something and say, oh, "Wow, that's, you know, that's how it should be." You know, a guy knows what he's doing. He's going to do the job. He's going to do it right. He gets it done. Boom. I have to pay. If you can't look at that whole situation and think of where you fit in there and what you should and should not say at the end of it, then we don't need you as a customer. Okay. If you're going to be one of those kind of people. All right. I think that that should be another factor that influences labor rate is customer attitude. These are the main factors in how a labor rate is determined, but even with same car location and type of shop, the rate may still differ greatly due to a shop valuing its expertise more or possessing special certification. I'm not actually sure what special certification they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about ASCs. We all know how I feel about that. It's simply a test. Uh, I've suggested that a pre-adolescent teenage girl could uh, easily study up, take, and pass ASC tests. Uh, Maybe not easily, but if they were fairly intelligent, they could certainly score well enough to actually pass. Now, obviously, if somebody passes ASC testing, does that make them uh, instantly qualified to repair your car? The answer is no, it doesn't. But it does have a tendency to sort people out in that particular manner. I mean, if you can pass the test, the chances are, and the chances are good, the chances are that you've actually worked on a car before and enjoyed success and kind of know what you're up to, okay? So I don't want to put them down completely. They are providing a service. People who know nothing about cars, the 95 percenters that don't know jack shit about their car, have all heard of the term ASC Master Certified Technician. Are they familiar with what it involves, what it's included, how it works? No, but they know that that is good. Whether or not it really is or not, yeah. It's open for discussion, okay? So with the ASC testing, you could determine that maybe your labor should be higher because your technicians have demonstrated to the ASC people that they, in fact, do know what they're talking about. So there's one of the things that can influence the labor rate in your repair shop. Yes, easily. Do they have max certification for AC repair? Sure. Boom. There you go. It's going to cost a little bit more to have your shit done there than it is by a guy down the street with a small vacuum pump and a set of gauges who just kind of fucks around with it and thinks he knows what he's doing. And maybe he does and maybe he doesn't. Labor cost is greatly influenced by location of the repair shop. This applies both to the state where the repair shop is located and in what area locally. And then in parentheses, it says downtown or in the outskirts. Okay. Obviously, uh overhead is going to be more expensive for a repair shop in a downtown location okay so if you work downtown and you're going to have a shop downtown work on your car just know that that labor rate is going to be a little higher than if you take it to the shop that's in the small town of a uh, thousand twelve hundred people that's 30 or 40 miles outside of the city where you live okay that shop's always going to be cheaper because they have a, a small shop with two lifts that used to be a gas station, but isn't anymore. And they just pull cars in one right after the other and fix them up. And, and on the road, they go. That the, the labor cost in a little dinky shop like that should be way less than a repair shop, even really of the same kind, but in a downtown location, okay? Because that gas station in the abandoned, I don't want to say abandoned, but at the former gas station in the downtown area is probably uh, highly sought after real estate. And so therefore the taxes are higher and the, uh, the option to sell it so they can build a Starbucks or some other shit is also higher. Whereas out in the country, nobody's really going to bother with an old gas station in a small one-horse town that's got a 1,000 people living in it, okay? In general, a repair shop that is located on the outskirts of a city will have a lower average labor rate than a repair shop located downtown. There you go. This is because a repair shop must cover its overheads. That's what it comes down to is is overhead, and that's that's 
a big deal. It's a very big deal in determining a labor rate for a shop because if you have a lot of expenses, you may not even cover the cost of those if your labor rate is too low. Independent or dealership is the next uh, the next uh, subject here. Another major factor that influences the labor cost is if the repair shop is an authorized one. These tend to be more expensive. Yeah, it's damn skippy. But they also have a few advantages. Now, I happen to work as a highly trained, in fact, uh, uh, I'm ultimately trained uh, technician at a, a brand dealership. So there really isn't too much I've not seen. I, I look at these cars that we that we have, uh, that the company I work for has produced, that the actual company I work for has sold. I've worked on these things pretty much day and night for the last 20 years. When I look at them with my naked eyeball, and of course my eyeballs are always naked, thank you very much. Uh, when I look at them, I can tell pretty much right away if everything's good, just because, I mean, if it was out of place, it would stand out to me. And so uh, I can spot trouble a little bit easier than somebody might be able to at an independent, okay? Is there value in that? Fuck yeah, there's value in that. Because I've probably done certain jobs to some of these cars dozens of times, and I can probably do them with my eyes closed, okay? So is there value in that? I think for the customer, there is. Not only will he get his money's worth, not only will he get OEM parts, but he'll get an OEM trained technician putting them in correctly, torquing all the bolts down correctly. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, getting all the bolts tightened, tor- tightened correctly. Maybe not torqued. You know, sometimes, yeah, sure, you got to torque certain bolts, of course. Other times you can just tighten them up a little bit, make them a little snug, boom, you're good to go. But this is something that you learn over time in, in experience of working in, in this type of situation. Here's the next sentence. It says, unfortunately, these shops also tend to be more expensive what they're failing to say here, and, and I've been kind of beating you guys up about this, and uh, it's really something that you need to uh, kind of determine for yourself, okay? These shops also tend to be expensive, but what you're getting, it's worth it. You think, oh, it cost me a lot of money to go to a dealership to get my car fixed. Yes, but is it a good value, okay? And you're and I've been beating you guys up about that, being a good value. Being a good value to your employer making him enough money so that he can continue to run the business and provide the benefits that you need, providing a good value for the customer so that he can continue to drive his car in its proper working order because you have straightened out this, that, or the other thing. There is enormous value in that. And I'm going to talk to you later about that. What I want to do is talk to you about the kind of value that you are right now, just as a human being, as a mechanic, as someone with tools and and experience and skills, I want to talk to you about what your value is to you and what your value is to somebody else and where that value is going. Nobody ever talks about that, do they? They talk about how valuable you are now and how much more valuable you're going to be in the future. Holy fucking shit. Nobody ever talks to you about that. Your uncle Jimmy's going to talk to you about that. Okay. Now I want to try to get through this article. It's, It's a pretty long article. But uh, I think that there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't really fit well. And I think that this particular individual is more or less a journalist and not really a technician because some of the stuff he says is, you know, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a given. OK, but there's nothing here that's really jumping out at me that says, yeah, this guy's got a, a grip on this. No, I don't really think he does. OK, let me let me pick up from the spot where I was. OK, independent or dealership. Another major factor tend to be more expensive, but they also have a few advantages. Shops tend to be more expensive. Many people will be deterred from servicing their car at an authorized dealer due to the price. Yes, uh, it's the whole value thing, but there are reasons you should consider it. Most significant advantage is that your car will be taken care of by people who know it inside and out. Yes, there you go. These are experts regarding your vehicle. If anything unexpected pops up, hey, we should be able to fix it. This is also why cars with a registered service history from an authorized dealership are usually sold for a larger amount because there's an implied value and it may be real, it may be bogus, it may be pseudo value, but there's a real honest to God, I believe, value for having having all of your service performed by an authorized dealer. And I don't think very many people think that way though. I had a a situation a little while back where a fellow employee was looking at a vehicle and it had a lot of miles on it. It had probably almost 200,000 miles on it. He's thinking about buying his truck and everyone told him that he should not. And including myself, I said, you know, that many miles on it, you should probably stay away from it. And then I said, you know what? I have Carfax on my phone. My dealership gave me uh, access to their 
to their company Carfax account so I can look to see if a car's ever been in an accident. Because I can't tell you guys, just as a little aside, I can't tell you guys how many times this has saved me some aggravation because somebody will come in and their car will be all kinds of wonky and some it'll ride like shit or some fucking thing is not working very well. And then the next thing you know, uh, the next thing you know, you look at the Carfax and there is a uh, an accident in there. And of course, the customer didn't say a fucking thing about that, did they? No. Oh, did I forget to tell you I drove into a tree at 40 miles an hour? Yeah, you did forget, dick. It's not warranty now. So anyway, we we looked up on the uh, Carfax for this particular vehicle that this individual was looking at buying. And even though it had a lot, a lot of miles on it, it had been regularly serviced at a dealer. The oil changes were done religiously on the fucking money. Like, Almost on the even, you know, I mean, every 5,000 miles, it was it was always within like 20 or 30 miles that he got it changed every 5,000 miles. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, if you like it, it's been maintained pretty well, according to this. So I would go ahead and get it. And he actually did go ahead and get it. And I think he was very, very happy with it. But as a technician, he uh, recently left our t- left our shop and doesn't work there anymore. So uh, it just gives you an idea what goes on in our shop. Uh, it's just kind of a revolving door going on there. Anyway, to get back to what we were saying is that a registered service history from a, from a dealership is pretty worth it for some people. I think it's worth it as far as the expense and the expertise that goes into doing these repairs. I think that that's uh, something that is... Uh, very valuable. Uh, now, of course, this doesn't necessarily mean that a car, this is the articles talking. Of course, this doesn't necessarily mean that a car that has been serviced at an independent shop will have received worse care than a car that was serviced at a dealership. But the, uh, the and I'm, this is your Uncle Jimmy adding in, yeah, but the odds are better. <laughs> the odds are better. Uh, some independent shops uh, may just hire uh, anybody uh, and they don't have to conform to a brand manufacturer's training schedules or anything like that. So, you know, you could be a high school dropout and get a job as a mechanic at an independent shop and they don't have to spend one fucking red cent ever sending you to training of any kind. And you could die an old man and never know anything more than how to change oil or put tires on. It could happen. Uh, probably won't or hasn't i mean sure probably did happen once or twice (laughs) who knows who knows anyway although an authorized shop likely has the better expertise and all the necessary tools it is also possible that the premium cost will be too high well cost being too high that's always going to be a personal thing so you yourself personally as a customer have to decide if something's too fucking expensive okay that's that's just the bottom line there. If you're buying a new car or trading one in, you should try to negotiate a deal to have your new car serviced at a discount rate. Uh, I don't know too many people who do that, but uh, there are uh, plans available where uh, maintenance plans and these sorts of things where all your maintenance is covered for two, three, five, and even up to 10 years I've seen. Uh, and they will they will certainly be glad to sell you those and uh, they will call it a discount if you want. They'll knock off 10%, even though it's 20% higher than it should be. Here's the other thing too. There are also independent shops that specialize in a specific car brand or type. These may also be on the expensive side. And this is what it says in the article. You should always consider whether or not the repair shop has experience working with your car, the model and or the make, okay? Now, uh, the independent shop that I worked at specialized almost exclusively in European cars. They didn't stop us from bringing in anything. And I I really literally mean anything. And we were all pretty good mechanics, I want to say. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I'm the best mechanic in the world, but I've worked with a couple of guys who are really, really good and at that shop even. And so anything they brought us, we could fucking fix it, make it run better, make fix it, whatever's wrong with it, you know, put it back together. Do I mean, unless the customer's done some extraordinarily heinous things to it, we could straighten it out. Uh, here's a here's another part of this article, and then I want to kind of jump off of this pretty much here. How is the labor rate determined? Well, here we go. Most repair shops in the United States charge their client based on a flat fee estimate. The flat fee is taken from a database with flat rate tables. Uh, what they're talking about is a Chilton's manual or a Motors manual or uh, what's the other one? There's a couple other ones out there. But there's manuals out there 
that provide labor times for doing repairs on all vehicles, really. I don't think there's any that they're missing, to be honest with you. In these tables, the estimated time is based on the car model and year. Shops then take the rate provided by this table, multiply it by their own hourly rate. Labor times can come from a lot of different places. At the dealership, we use our own factory labor times, but then we mark them up 1.6% because... They're too fucking low as warranty times, and it would be a, an extraordinary bargain. And that's something, and, I, and I, this may or may not sit well with anybody who isn't a mechanic, but a mechanic will understand what I'm about to say. When you talk about a labor rate for your shop, you have to decide what the market will bear. You also have to decide how much volume you want. You have to decide how many cars you can get in your shop in a day, how many lifts you have, how many technicians you have. You have to put all this stuff together and make a formula out of it and figure out how much to charge as a labor rate. Here is the other side of that coin. And and some of you may think that this is not real Uncle Jimmy-like, but it's, it is. If you have a shop and you have, let's say, three, four, five mechanics working there, and you are really, really, really fucking busy all the time and you have appointments that are out two three months and you don't have time to even bring in somebody who wants a waiter oil change you don't have time for that you are just banging all day long bang 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 okay if you are that goddamn busy your labor rate is too fucking low that's it in a nutshell your labor rate is too low the laws of supply and demand not only apply to the law to the technicians and how many you do or do not have in your shop okay if you have a dire need for technicians and there are none out there then the cost of hiring technicians should go up according to the laws of supply and demand on the other side of that card is the customers if your labor if your shop is in great demand and people are lining up around the block to get in to get you to fix their car raise your labor rate the laws of supply and demand apply here as well. If you have a very limited supply of technicians and time that you can work on cars, when you have an overabundance of demand, then your price needs to go up. It's as simple as it is. And here's the thing, okay, and I implore you to do this. If you're a shop owner or shop manager or fixed ops manager or anything like that, what you need to do is look at your workflow and determine how many cars you could conceivably bring in in a day if you had an unlimited number of technicians, okay? Unlimited. Could you bring in 100 cars a day, 200 cars a day, 300 cars a day? Now how many technicians do you have? Six, 10, 18, 20, 25. Now you have gauged the demand and you've gauged the supply. Make your labor rate accordingly. If your labor rate is too low, you will know because people will drop off the biggest piles of fucking shit that they have. They'll bring in cars that are 20, 25 years old that have more fucking problems than you can shake a stick at. They'll drop them off and they'll leave them for you to look at them. And they won't even care if you don't look at it that day or the next day even. They won't give a shit. Do you know why? Because you're a value. The value is there for them. They don't know what they want to do with this car. If it's cheap enough, they'll fix it. If you if you tell them that you'll look at it and then it's cheap enough for you to fix it, they'll go ahead and do that. And let me tell you something. If you throw a lot of your labor at some pile of shit that got dropped off from a flatbed, okay, you're wasting your time. You need to decide what kind of cars you will work on and what kind of cars you will not work on. Because there's a lot of cars that get some age to them and they're not worth fucking fixing up. And yet people who own them and they'll say all kinds of shit. Oh, I love that car. Or I had one in high school. Or whatever. Okay, obviously it's got sentimental value to you. It doesn't have any fucking sentimental value to me. The value it has is the money that you're going to pay me to fix it. And if I fix the car, I got to fix the whole goddamn thing. I'm not going to fix two things on it when there's 20 things wrong with it. If you're running into these situations where people are bringing you garbage to work on, then you need to raise your labor rate because your value, you're not, you're underestimating your own value. Raise your labor rate. It will sort the shit 
out and you will get better quality cars to work on. You will get better quality customers. It may sound backwards to, to, to the things that Uncle Jimmy usually says, but you know what? Seriously, if, if you're working on cars that are in a little better shape and don't have dozens of fucking problems, then you can make more money quickly and you can pay your technicians more, which is really what the podcast is all about. Podcast is about getting the technicians that listen to this podcast paid a more livable wage so they can become more they can just become more that's the end of the sentence they become more of whatever they want to be they can work a little less be home more they can be a, a, a husband and a father and a dog owner whatever they are if they make a, a very decent livable wage they can live a more human style life instead of the, the 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 life of a coal miner who you know digs coal for 18 hours a day goes home sleeps comes back and does it again that's what i'm talking about now uh i'm not i'm not really done with this article it goes on to say uh something about am i getting ripped off i don't want to go there right now the the reason is it's it's really simple people are always 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 one more time always gonna think that they're getting ripped off they're always gonna think that always gonna think that we can't change that nobody can change that they can't fix their fucking car and you can and you want money to do it you're ripping them off they don't give a fuck how much you charge them unless it's free and even then they're like uh there's got to be a catch you know i don't want to go there with this podcast okay now where i wanted to go with this really quick i want to end the podcast with this but it's a little bit drawn out um and i've talked about the solution to a, a lot of problems on this on this podcast i've talked about a lot of things that could be a certain way and they're not but they probably should be okay one of the things that i came up with the other night i had a sort of a dream it was really weird but in my dream somehow or another it came up that i was getting paid a hundred dollars an hour and i <laughs> I remember thinking, I was talking to somebody, and it was a really weird dream. Of course, all my dreams are weird, you can only imagine. Uh, But somehow or another in my dream, I mentioned that I was making $100 an hour, and I thought that it was normal, and somebody else thought that it wasn't. And I said, well, you know, you don't, you don't understand what the fuck I have to do. So shut the fuck up and something like that. You know, it's your Uncle Jimmy, typical Uncle Jimmy comments. You know, it's like, oh, you fuck, go fuck yourself, you know. But then I started thinking about it when I woke up. What if technicians made $100 an hour? What if they made $100 an hour? Now, here's how it would work. Because I formulated this in my head and I wanted to kind of put this out there so you can kind of wrap your mind around it, okay? Uh, $100 an hour is a really nice round number and it's also really, 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 really fucking high for an hourly wage for flat rate technicians. Really high. I don't think anybody out there is making $100 an hour as an automotive technician. Okay, probably somebody is, okay, because they're always there's always an exception to the rule. There's always an exception to the rule. And God bless you if you're making hundred dollars an hour. Okay. God bless you if you're making fifty. But think about what would happen if someone was able to actually earn a hundred dollars a hundred dollars an hour as a technician. Here's what would happen. Let's say you, you run a shop and you have five technicians, two really good technicians who've been with you for a while, two eh. They're good technicians, but they're not as good as the other two. They're, uh, they show promise, but every once in a while, yeah, they kind of fuck up a little bit. And then you got another one. You got, let's say you got five, and you got another one. The the fifth one is just like some fucking kid who rolled in off the street, and he doesn't know his asshole from a hole in the ground, and he can't fix a sandwich, okay? But he's there, and he, he tries, but he's, he's just not any good at it. But you keep him around because he can do an oil change, you know, when you got somebody who needs to have an oil change right away, and, and he can clean up the shop and take the trash out. Okay, now let's say you're really 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 busy you have a lot of fucking work coming in and you have a lot of people who want to drop their shit off you are just slammed all the time and you're scheduling two and three months out and people are going crazy on you and every once in a while you get one of these cars in that is a, an enormous pile of shit and you look it over and and you tell them they got 10 things wrong with it and they just want to do two things and you have fucking had it with that shit just because you run an independent shop doesn't mean that you have to work on everything you don't have to you can work on whatever you fucking want okay in this country at least we have the freedom to tell people to go fuck themselves and Quite frankly, we should, some of us should probably do that a little more often than we do. Let me say this, okay? And I was just talking about this, and then I mean that this is this is really how it should go. The laws of supply and demand should say that if you have the supply of labor and technicians in a shop, and the demand is out of control, 
Okay, people are calling you up. People are just towing cars to you without even calling you. People are dropping shit off without even telling you they're going to do it. And then they call you up and say, hey, did you get to my car yet? And you tell them, no, you know, we're, we're three months out. It doesn't matter to me where your car sits, dick. If you have these kinds of situations going on, raise your labor rate to some sort of number that is going to sort some of these fucking turds out, that is going to make them fucking not want to bring their car to you. Because what you're going to do is instead of going for quantity, you're going to go for quality, okay? So say you raise your labor rate to $200 an hour from $125. And and I think a lot of people would chafe and maybe call you a fucking ripoff artist or whatever. They would come up with all kinds of names for you. They're always going to do that when you do things they don't like. It's like, you know, guess what? You don't like it? Fuck you. Go somewhere else, okay? But there's value here. And if as an owner or a service manager, you should stand up and exclaim that whenever somebody gives you shit. Say, listen, the service that we sell here is a solid value, okay? We do what we do. We do it well. When you pay us, you are getting what you pay for. If you don't believe that, then you are welcome to use the, the door to exit the fucking building, asshole. Really, that's what should happen. Okay, here's the other side of the coin. Let's say you own this shop, you run this shop, and you raise your labor rate to $200 an hour, and it sorts out a lot of the crap that you either A, don't want to work on, or B, shouldn't be working on. Okay, now you can afford to pay your technicians some more. So you take these two guys and say they've been with you maybe eight to 10 years, maybe 12 years, whatever, okay? And they do a really fantastic job and they're like family. I mean, they're practically brothers or sisters. If they're women, they could certainly be women. There's no reason they couldn't be, okay? But say you go out and you tell them, say, listen, guys, I just raised the labor rate to a point that's gonna sort out some of this garbage so you don't have to fucking waste your time looking at it. And with a labor rate that's so high and still with work coming in and barging down the door, I'm going to offer you guys a, a, a wage, a, a raise, an increase in wages to make this job completely worth your while to do it. And they'll be like, okay, well, you know, what are you going to give us, 2 $3? Yeah, no. What are you making now? Well, I'm making like you know $35 an hour now. And the other guy goes, well, I'm at 32 Well, both of you are now making $100 an hour. And when they pick themselves up off the floor, because I would certainly fucking collapse if somebody told me I was going to go from what my wage is now to making $100 an hour, I would fucking shit my pants. I'm going to probably shit my pants anyway, but I would shit my pants big time over something like that. Now think about what's going to happen. You're still going to make $100 an hour on their labor. They're going to make half of that labor at $100 an hour. Now suddenly they feel like they're going to need to step up their game, right? The quality of their repairs should be better. If it's not so good sometimes, eh, maybe they're going to redouble their efforts and make sure that everything they do is good, is really, really good, okay? Because that's an extraordinary wage. You could work just 40 hours a week at $100 an hour. It's $4,000. What's four times five? 20? Now, five is the number of weeks 50 is, excuse me, 50 is the number of weeks in a year, 52. And if you're making $4,000 a week, uh, before taxes, obviously, you're going to be making right around $200,000 a year. Holy shit. How fucking extraordinary would that be? Especially for fixing cars, which everyone somehow on this planet believes that they they can do themselves, but they can't. Remember the 95% I was talking about? So what are the advantages? Well, let's just say you, one of the guys that you just gave a raise to, from $35 an hour to $100 an hour, goes home and tells his wife. His wife goes, holy shit. She's going to try to figure out how to, how to spend that money. She's going to want to remodel the house maybe or something like that or buy a new car or buy things that she's been wanting for a long time or that you have been wanting or both of you have been wanting for a long time. And then she's going to call her brother, who is a mechanic at some other shop somewhere. And she's going to say, in, in one of those voices that only women can pull off. So, how much do you make at the shop you work at? Oh, I'm making like $28 an hour. Hmm, that's that's interesting. Why Why do you ask? Uh, because Bob just came home from his job and his boss gave him a raise. Yeah, how much is he making now? Yeah, 100 bucks an hour. I mean, like, click. The guy's going to hang up. He's thinking, he thinks it's a joke. But then he finds out, he comes over, and there's all kinds of new shit at his sister's house. He's going to be like, what the fuck? Where'd you get the money for this? I told you, Bob's making $100 an hour now. He works 40 hours a week. He comes home. He's here before the kids go to bed. He pets the dog. He helps with the dishes. You know, he barbecues. He he sits in his chair and reads. He doesn't have to wrench until 9 o'clock in the evening to keep up with the mortgage anymore. So now what happens? 
Now what happens? So the shop owner now has two guys who would die for him and who do a really, really good job, and they're going to pick it up even. They're going to start doing an even better job. And the value, the value of that is there because he already knows them. He's had them working for him for a long time. And they've kind of beat him up about raises over the over the years. And now I don't think that they're ever going to beat him up, up for a raise. I mean, he could even tell him, say, I'm going to pay $100 an hour, but don't look for a raise anytime in the next fucking century. That's going to be it. And maybe even at some point you could kind of make them into partners in the shop. You still want to pay him though, because you're getting 100 they're getting 100 and then you have to control some of the expenses, obviously, but you're going to have all kinds of work because there is a shortage of technicians. A lot of shops have those two and three month waiting periods. Your shop all of a sudden has opened up a little bit. Yeah, it's $200 an hour, but we could get you in next week or we could get you in tomorrow even. So how long do you want to be without your car? What's it worth to you to have the most premium, really literally, the most premium service experience there is? Now, what does this do to the other three guys that work for you, okay? Maybe the two guys who who didn't get the $100 an hour raise, maybe they got raises up to, let's call it $75. Why not, right? Your labor rate's $200. You're, you're going to be making $125 an hour on them. Now, uh, what this does is, uh, if you think about it, like I have, it points out to you pretty much the sheer greed of some of these people who own and run shops okay whether whatever in whatever manifestation they do that whether they're an owner or a manager because most of us are making anywhere between 25 and 35 dollars an hour some of us up to 50 a few of us up to 60 but nobody's much more than that i'm sure there is somebody i'll hear from it i'll hear from them all right, so you got these you got the two guys who do a pretty good job and you you move them up from whatever wage they are at up to uh, like $75 an hour, okay? And what you're done, what you have done is provided incentive for them to do a better job and to become the uh, multi-experienced and multi uh talented mechanics that the the two older guys are the two other guys are the hundred dollar an hour guys you've actually put a, a, a you've dangled a very large carrot in front of them they want to get to they definitely want to get to a hundred dollars an hour but at 75 dollars an hour they have the opportunity to make an extraordinarily good wage as well and then you got that fifth guy that fucking little turd mechanic that you got and i can tell you that within about a week and maybe even two if you offered a wage like that to your technicians you would have a stack of applications in your inbox the likes of which you've never fucking seen before and oh by the way nobody else in this business sees and uh, i think a lot of people would say oh you'd be crazy to pay them that much but dude if they're turning the hours if the if the cars are coming in and they're broken and you're fixing them and they're and the customers are paying that labor fee to fix their cars and their cars are getting fixed in the most exemplary manner possible in the in the finest fashion that you can imagine that all everything is perfect you know i mean they these these technicians not only do they uh you know set the tire pressures and fill up all the you know top off all the fluids and wipe the windshield down and maybe vacuum the interior i mean really literally at that wage you would expect them to treat the cars with with extra 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 special special care i know i would and I certainly would if I was that technician who made that wage. I would I would take every car and treat it as if it was my own, which is to say, I know some of you treat your own cars like shit. <laughs> I get it. But uh, I treat my cars pretty, pretty well. And uh, so so I, I work on them all pretty much the same way. And that's what you would do if you were making that extraordinary wage. Um, and what that would do, like I said, what that would do is they would get around town and it would cause a lot of different technicians to apply to your place. And you could you could just tell them. I mean, really, honestly, you could say, I only have room for one mechanic here and because uh, I got one guy who's just a booger-eating moron, and I need to get rid of him. And so you, you tell him that he has to pack up his shit and get the fuck out, and you hire the best, the best mechanic who's applied to you. Maybe he comes with excellent references. Maybe he knows some of the mechanics in your shop. Maybe you even know him. You bring him in. You tell him we're going to start you out at, at 50 or 75 bucks an hour. Either way it's a pretty good fucking deal and if it works out for you i mean honestly it would be an experiment to pay somebody that much money but i think it would work for you i believe wholeheartedly that it would work uh you would probably if you if you ran your shop like that you could give some of the tasks that you normally would have to do as an owner or a manager you could give some of those tasks to the uh technicians 
After all, they're making a hundred fucking dollars an hour. I mean, they could conceivably remove their own trash, clean their bays at night. You would want to have it come uh, that would go along with that wage, maybe cleaning up their portion of the shop or the shop in general. Uh, also, too, possibly shoveling snow or plowing the goddamn uh, driveway or, you know, even sweeping the parking lot or sweeping out the building. You wouldn't exclude them from any of that. If you were paying them that much money, I'm certain that they would gladly take a broom and sweep the shop up at some point in time, okay? There's a there's a lot of responsibility that you could foist on to people who are paid that much money and to the other technicians too who want to be paid that much money. And if you were able to control costs well enough that you made a profit, I would think that you would find that your profit would be exponential because you're, you're, you're suddenly your shop would have this reputation that they do a, a fucking fantastic and a fabulous job. And it's because you are paying a premium wage and also demanding a premium labor, labor cost. Premium labor rates. Now, I just wanted to put that out there for you. Um, and I had a lot, like I said, I had a lot of different shit rolling around in my head this week and uh I, I i managed to keep it together a little bit here because i really had a lot of wacky shit that go, um, you can't even believe the shit that goes on in my mind i can't believe it sometimes the fucking shit that i'm thinking of anyway to kind of wrap this whole podcast up and to put a little bow on it what i was what i'm trying to get to is is that if you run a shop if you are a service manager and you're struggling with a lot of different things that go on with the shop as far as employees and having other personnel around you might want to think about raising the wages to a level that is, you know, it doesn't have to be $100 an hour. I don't even, I don't even know of any accountants anywhere who wouldn't shoot themselves straight through the fucking head with a fucking 44 before they would pay a technician $100 an hour to fucking work in a repair shop. But I think that that's part of the problem is, is that there's certain people in, in certain parts of this business who have decided long ago, by the way, how much money a technician should make. And they're fucking wrong. They're just straight up wrong. How can you even know how much to pay a technician when you have no fucking idea, no clue what they do, how they do it, where they do it, why they do it. And even if they want to do it, and guess what? They don't want to do it for the fucking stupid bullshit wages that your accountants think that you should pay. I think that we should take all the, my, myself personally, I think we should take all the accountants out and beat the living fucking shit out of them. Smack them over the head with their fucking abacuses. Spank them on their fucking raw naked ass with a fucking slide roll. Okay. I think that's what we should do with them. They need to wake the fuck up and learn about the laws of supply and demand. They're fucking accountants after all. No, I'm telling you right now that money will fix a lot of their fucking problems money okay it's not about high school automotive classes it's not about training institutions and finding people with good attitudes it has nothing to do with that shit at all really i mean you're gonna find people with good attitudes you're gonna find people with shit attitudes you start paying them a really serious wage you're gonna see that whole attitude problem straighten itself the fuck out and if i'm wrong well then you can fucking hit me up on the facebook page and tell me hey my shop decided to pay me a hundred dollars an hour my attitude my attitude still sucks i'll say well, more power to you <laughs> All right. Your Uncle Jimmy's starting to lose his voice, so he's going to vamoose out of here. Uh, I want to say thanks for listening to me one more week. It just keeps going on and on, doesn't it? And nobody's got the answers. They're right here in your podcast. $100 an hour, that would fix a lot of fucking problems, don't you think? I mean, think about some of the problems that you have with whatever, with really literally with whatever. Would $100 an hour fix not only your problems, but the problems that you have in your shop? Think about it. The answer is a fucking resounding yes. All right. And with that, your Uncle Jimmy's going to sign off this week. And he does it the same way every fucking time. Never fail. He just goes, see ya.